Welcome to the Texas VC Podcast. I'm your host, Aziz Galani. This is our fourth episode of this series, and today I'm very, very happy to welcome over my very good friend, my very old friend, Parker Harvey, the Senior Regional Economist at Gulf Coast Workforce Board. Workforce Board. Workforce Solutions. Workforce Solutions. Yes. Uh, which basically means that he spends his days studying the Houston and the 13 counties around Houston's economy and tries to figure out what's going on with the labor force here. That's correct. Absolutely. Now, you know, something we like to do on this podcast is we get like to get to know the folks that we're talking to. So, Parker, why don't you talk about where you came from? You know, what did you do? You started at UT Austin. And for, for the full disclosure, Parker and I, we went to UT together. We were good friends in undergrad. You majored in economics there. And then, and then, and then walk us through what happened. Sure. So, yeah, between 1997 2001, I was at UT. And I think you got out a little bit sooner than I did. Graduated going into, we'll say, December 2001. Which point I left Austin, I went to the London School of Economics, got a master's in policy for developing countries. And then after that, I decided to go to Thunderbird, an international business school outside of Arizona that's now been absorbed by ASU, and I uh, decided to take a job with the federal government and the Department of Labor. In another case, I decided to go the econ route, uh, kind of harking back to my original background. I did a couple of stints in the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and from there I went off to Chicago and worked there for BLS for about four and a half years. Came back to Texas after being away for about a decade, and uh, took a job here with the Gulf Coast Workforce Board and Workforce Solutions. That kind of brings us up to today. Very cool. Now, we have a trend here on this podcast, okay. which was, we discovered a trait, which was, when folks come to Houston, they come here for love. I, I granted, your, your sample size is going to be kind of small here. That was not what motivated me personally, not to say that it, you know, it wasn't open to the possibility, but uh, what drove me here, honestly, was just employment opportunities. That's another big reason why people come to Houston. It's either love, money, jobs, cheap housing, land. Things like that. I was more of just pure job. Ah, man, a mercenary. Yeah, sorry to disappoint the uh, the listeners. I thought you were in love with me. Well, I mean, I thought we were trying to keep that off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You've been getting to know this economy during a very interesting time. Yes, it really has been. The last 18 months or so, we went from being on top of the world at $100 a barrel down to as low as, what, 25 or so, give or take. It's been wild. It's kind of fitting that I ask you how Houston's doing, and you immediately revert to oil prices. That's correct. So for all the talk about how diversified Houston's economy is, and in certain respects, yes, it is. At the end of the day, oil is still what matters. I'm really paraphrasing uh, Bill Gilmer with the Regional Institute for Forecasting at U of H. That's, that's really his line, but it's absolutely true, is that it all starts with oil. Now, the good news is this. When oil is high here and it generates a lot of oil and gas jobs that pay exceptionally well, that money flows in the rest of the economy and it creates a lot of other jobs that aren't directly related to oil. So that's a good thing. So in that sense, it does, the, the economy is diversified. However, that, that first dollar starts with the price of West Texas Intermediate. Interesting. And so when you got here, man, I remember seeing every like top 10 list of cities in America. They were all saying we're the fastest growing city in America. You know, Dallas, Austin, Houston, the three of us were always in the top five. And now, now that the price of oil is way down, has that dramatically changed? 
it actually hasn't slowed as much as you would think. So let's just talk about population here. So believe it or not, so the most recent numbers we have are from July 14th to July 15th. Houston added more people over that 12-month period than any other metropolitan area in the country, around 160,000 new people. About two-thirds of those are in migration the last third's native born. So believe it or not, that's the key line that spans roughly half of the first wave of the downturn and it didn't slow population growth in the least bit. As a matter of fact, census put out a fun little infographic that pretty much shows Texas cities were still growing faster than everybody else. So that really hasn't changed, even with oil being as low as this. Let's fast forward here to 2016, comparing it to the past year. We probably will add some of the neighborhood, maybe 80 to 100,000 people, but that's pretty astonishing still given how weak things are. How how long does that go on for, though? Well, that's a good question. So my understanding of the way the timeline would work going forward is, let's say oil gets back around $65 a barrel. We've got to wait another maybe six to eight months for rig counts to finally start ticking upward consistently. From there, we've probably got about another eight months to a year or so before we see jobs start picking up again. So that if, you, if we want to if we kind of map this out for the next couple of years here, 2016, this year, we're probably looking at losing net around 10, 15,000 jobs, give or take. What's really interesting is that 2017 is actually forecast to be far worse at this point, losing somewhere in the neighborhood of around 30,000 jobs. 2018 is pretty far out, but there, by that point, in theory, we should have seen a recovery, and we should be adding somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 40 to 80, 60,000 jobs a year again. The big sense I get from your description is that the economy here along the Gulf Coast is kind of like a big ship. And the steering wheel is oil prices. Correct. And so the steering wheel started turning around last year. Yeah. And only now are we starting to see the slowdown. That's correct. Yeah. It took a solid year before even housing prices broke for that matter. I think it was until, took until October roughly of 2015 before we actually saw a year over year slowdown in sales, uh, moderating of prices a bit. You're right. It, it takes a while for things to catch up. And then if the steering wheel starts turning in the other direction, like right now, it still takes over a year for this thing to actually turn around. That's absolutely correct. So we're looking at 2017, 2018, something like that, before we start to see the economy start to radically kind of shift here again. Yeah. Um, what we've got working to our advantage right now is the petrochem boom on the east side of the city. I think there's $50 billion worth of investment going on over there. So a lot of construction, uh, a lot of money's being pumped in over there, and that's kind of helping us sort of soften the blow a bit. But by about 2017, those construction projects start winding down. And so if the rest of the economy hasn't picked up speed again, then we've really got some problems. And if you're a startup here, and that's kind of the focus for our audience. Sure. If you're a startup in Houston, Texas... Does that start to open up some opportunities for you? Well, if you're looking for talent here, there's quite a bit that unfortunately has been jettisoned by the oil and gas industry. We're not just talking about controlling engineers. Analytical people just writ large. There's a good number of them that have unfortunately been casualties of this downturn. So if you're a startup coming here looking for talent, looking trying to flesh out everything from HR to IT to just people who are simply good at problem solving, technical problem solving, Right now is not a bad time to be here. You should have no difficulty finding people, generally speaking. It's kind of like that old adage, if it's not you, it's me. And right now, if you're looking to hire someone in Houston, Texas, and you can't find the right person, it's probably you. That's, yeah, you're either asking for something that's far too specific that you wouldn't be able to find to fill that role. If you broaden the search statewide or even across the path of the country, you're absolutely right. It's you. And let, let, let's drill down a little further. 
I get asked all the time by startups, how do I decide where I need to be? And the answer I always give is it's, it's kind of along three pillars. You want your startup to be in a city that has either a very large concentration of customers or a large supply of the talent you're looking for or a large number of suppliers that you need to be successful. You need at least you, you got to be the best in the world at one of those three things. If you have none of those three things, you need to pick a new city to be in. You're an expert economist who's been studying labor pools here in Houston. What are those labor pools here in Houston that, that we just kind of are leaders at? Well, uh, we have no shortage of, I mean, healthcare professionals. We, we add more. That's actually what's been really driving what, what job growth we've seen. We have a lot of those folks, um, a lot of just professional business services, generally speaking. Everything from architecture engineering to accounting to legal, you name it. We, we are able to draw people here. Um, a lot of the talent is just coming from outside. We have no problems with continuing to bring people here. We've got still a lot of land. It's pretty cheap. Housing relative to some, some other large areas around the country is still pretty cheap as well. So we don't have any problems getting people here. So let's talk about the healthcare side of this. When you say we have a ton of healthcare folks, drill down in, in that category a little bit for me. Sure. Um, well, nursing is actually one of those areas where we just cannot get enough people though. I mean, we, we, we hire them left, right, and center, but we simply just can't get enough of them. On the daily reports that I get on basically job requests that are that come through work in Texas system, which is the one that's where people, if you fall for unemployment, you essentially have to register with them. And there's also the ability to be able to search for jobs through it. We cannot find enough nurses. Basically things that are like, that are population driven. We bring people here in mass. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a very long time ago, our city fathers decided to do something very unique, which was we concentrated a lot of the medical infrastructure for this entire region into the Texas Medical Center. And as a net impact of that, that's like one of the largest employers of like nurses and nurse practitioners and all these allied health center type occupations kind of on the planet. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. We, we've also, because of the boom in the suburbs, and just the overall expansion of Houston in every direction, what we call ambulatory services, just like your walk-in clinics or urgent care centers, things like that. That's another area where we just cannot get enough people. Exponential growth in the last few years. Now, does that bleed into different categories in healthcare? So, for example, Johnson & Johnson has now set up J-Labs here in Houston to try to promote more biomedical research and more entrepreneurship around that. Is there a translation between having a giant pile of nurses in a city and a giant pile of biomedical researchers in a city? I don't know if there's any correlation, but the fact of the matter is you've got the economies of scale here. Right. And if you want to be doing that sort of work, this is one of a handful of regions around the country where you can do it. So it's up to you to come here, but the opportunities are here. Right. It sounds like I could run a really great trial here if I really wanted you to. You absolutely could. You absolutely and, so, and so when we're talking about the three legs of that stool, we might not have the, the large concentration of labor directly tied to the researchers. And we might not have, so, so, so talent, maybe not, but, but, but in terms of, the, you know, the ecosystem and the suppliers, because we have this concentration of hospitals and concentration of places to do your trials, you at least have that pillar of the stool to kind of fall on. Yeah, and that, that's absolutely critical. I mean, without that, I mean, once yeah. you've got that momentum going, it's kind of self-perpetuating. Very cool. 
The other piece of this is we've got logistics and we've got energy in this town. Yes, and healthcare. Okay, so so those are our three pillars. That so those are the big three. Um, yeah. It's not what's and that's and also I, I will add though manufacturing is far bigger here than you realize. Probably about ten percent of our jobs here are manufacturing, and most of our manufacturing is geared towards oil and gas. How does that rank up against other parts of the country? It's obviously not quite to the same, it doesn't quite make up as much as, say, for example, parts of the Midwest, but it's pretty substantial, and it's something that really people just kind of overlook. They don't really think about us being, you know, a major manufacturing hub, but in reality, I mean, we are. Yeah, and we were talking about logistics a second ago. I guess having the port here, having a concentration of manufacturing here, man, you know, suddenly startups like Macrofab that are basically, they're there to help folks kind of scale up manufacturing for, for, for early businesses, it seems to make a ton of sense to have something like that here. Because again, you're tying into like what the economy here ties into. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with that organization, but based on what you've just described, there's absolutely no reason you wouldn't be here. Versus if I wanted to start like a startup that was focused on making YouTube videos or, you know, something much more consumer oriented or something media oriented. It sounds like we just don't have those economies of scale. No, we don't. The, the, unfortunately, Houston would not be the place where you'd want to be there, like, you know, to come to you for that. Um, frankly, Austin probably the most natural place if you're going to be in Texas for it. Otherwise, maybe the tech corridor, like 128, you know, around Boston, maybe New York, otherwise the Bay Area, but not Houston for that. Kind of turning the tables a little bit here, we were talking about how the energy piece of the economy is going to take a while to turn around here. What other aspects of this economy could drive further growth over the next few months or years outside of what happens with Saudi Arabia and oil? Well, again, besides the construction boom on the east side, healthcare, and leisure, hospitality, and retail, believe it or not. Um, essentially, the stuff that's really carrying us at this point, are all the po- it's all population-centered things. Those are doing exceptionally well right now. However, at a certain point, our population growth is going to start slowing, which means things like retail and accommodation, bars, restaurants, et cetera, they're going to have to slow down too. We've got that positive momentum going for us, but it's not going to carry us forever. No matter what, no matter what direction I try to lead this conversation in, we can't escape the gravitational pull of oil in this town. Yeah, absolutely not. No, I mean, this is still the quote-unquote energy capital of the world. It will remain so unless something structurally changes on a fundamental level in Houston's economy in the wake of this downturn. There's absolutely no reason why oil still won't be what dictates everything else here. Sorry to kind of push, try to push the bounds of this. How big of a deal is non-oil related energy in Houston? Is green energy a factor in this town? For what little research I've done, I mean, there is a presence here, but I mean, obviously most of the oil majors have some sort of money thrown behind green energy, um, just as a hedge ultimately. But it's still not big enough to offset low oil. Okay. That's not the answer. No. no. It's yeah. not gonna be the I mean it's not gonna be the answer in our lifetimes, put it that way. Okay. That's that's pretty bold. I, I intend on living for a long time. <laughs> as do I. As do I. Okay. So a little grim. So if I'm a smart person in Houston, Texas right now, and I see this opportunity in front of me where I know this economy is going to be at either standstill or falling back for, you know, the next year or so. What would I, what should I do if I'm smart? Well, it depends. Let's say, let's take real estate. Um, right now we've actually kind of got a pause and appreciation on land values, 
multifamily, et cetera. Actually, if you're trying to buy the bottom, so to speak, right now wouldn't be the worst time to do it. Now, in terms of multifamily, we're probably built out. We, minor, I was reading something the other day that says we've got like three years worth of supply that's coming online. So we're done there. But if you're looking to try to acquire some land and you're playing the long game, now, basically, you buy the bottom now, wait about three to five years, and you could probably see some pretty good returns, just generally speaking. So maybe buy up something in real estate. Maybe take advantage of all these petroleum engineers lying on the wayside somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, great. I mean, you, know, you might be a petroleum engineer, but you're wired in such a way that you're geared towards problem solving, and that can translate. Now, it might require a little bit of upskilling, a little bit of acquiring some new skills, let's say, for example, things like coding or something like that. But the, the basic skills are there. Filling in the details is not the hard part. Now, part of your remit over at the Gulf Coast Workforce Board, Workforce Board, is you look at, you know, training programs, you look at, you know, a lot of the stuff that people try to do to retool. What have you seen in terms of the efficacy of some of these programs that are basically like, hey, show up and, you know, pay us this fee and learn how to code tomorrow? Well, I mean, it's, it varies as much as different kinds of trains that are out there. Um, if an employer comes to us, and says, we have a need for X type of employee. We just need you to go through and mine our labor market to find these people. Then some of those are actually really effective because it's employer-led. Some of these others where it's essentially a function of an institution that has a program in place that wants to continue to use it to continue generating revenue, even though if it doesn't, it's not aligned with the labor market, they'll continue to promote it. People will continue to enroll and then you'll end up with a surplus oftentimes of people that unfortunately just simply don't need. Um, it's one of the just unfortunate things about the way things work. Yeah, so let's dig into this a little bit more. Look, I'm a petroleum engineer. I'm here in Houston, Texas. I've just gotten laid off. And I decide, hey, you know, maybe my future is I'm going to take one of these classes and learn Ruby on Rails, and then I'm going to be the next big thing in terms of, like, putting out an app or something like that? Like, what does the data tell you on that? Well, there's not a ton out there, because a lot of these coding camps, they're, I mean, they're privately run. Look, there's a lot of free online resources that are available to you. Currently, right now, through UTA, or I'm sorry, but A&M, I'm doing um, Python. Completely free. The quality's actually pretty good. Um, it's just something else that I can add to my resume and, you know, broaden my skill set, so... Keep in mind that there are a lot of other free resources out there. You don't have to pay a ton of money for all of this. So the takeaway from that, at least, is a ton of free resources if you're looking to retool. I, I would, I would Look at those maybe first. Yes, absolutely. Look, there are some very expensive options to follow. There are. We don't know their efficacy. They could be very effective. They could be. Well, keep in mind, too, yeah. look, at, look at a different market. So think of like the Bay Area, for example. The sheer need for coders is so great that even with expensive programs like that, you make, the difficulty in finding you know, gainful employment after one of those is probably a lot less than it would be here. We're not a tech hub. Um, there's a tech presence here, but we're not Austin. We're not you know, other parts of the country. I guess what I'm hearing is if I want to take a class that guarantees me salary, I should just become a nurse. It's one of those things where I have, I honestly have to say, if you're okay with working with people, 
Um, but the thing is, keep in mind, becoming a nurse now really requires you to be a BSN, like have a bachelor's of, of nursing. Nursing. Yeah. So the investment to become a nurse has gone up. An associate's is no longer going to cut it. So if you've got four years and you're looking ahead, then that's great. But if you're looking to retool for another career quickly to get back into the workforce, it may not be the most viable option for you. Well, I mean, you're the man who looks at all the employment numbers. <laughs> well, I mean, let's say for that hypothetical petroleum engineer, frankly, if that's the field that you want to be in, the reality of it is that you are living in a city that is tied to a globally priced commodity that is now going to be more volatile than ever if Houston's going to become the quote-unquote swing producer. So what that means is that during the good times, that means you need to pile away a lot of cash is what you need to do because the reality is every few years, maybe five or seven or so, there's going to be a downturn, a wave of layoffs, et cetera. If your risk tolerance isn't that high, then it may be time to look at making a long-term investment in something else that's a bit more stable, healthcare as, a, as an example. We're talking broader career shift. A 12-week course may not cut it. No, 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 not, not at all. Um, it might help you to take advantage of some opportunities, but you might also have to look outside of Houston to be able to take advantage of those too. Man, those free, you know, Python classes, they sound like the right way to go then, more <laughs> and more. <laughs> I'm certainly a fan, yeah. uh, but I would definitely recommend exploring those before shelling out big bucks on some yeah. of these coding camps. Very cool, very cool. Any other bright spots you see in our economy here? Well, uh, the good news is, though, for people who remain gainfully employed, they've been looking kind of into the housing market, this is your window. A lot of people have been shut out. I think it's there was some statistic, and I'm probably paraphrasing it very poorly, but every 2 or 3% appreciation in property values shuts out like 20,000 people from the housing market here. Mm-hmm. So that moderating for a while is great news for some people who've been sitting on the sidelines with some, like, you know, a good down payment, maybe even cash, and can jump in. Final conclusions. One, if I do have a job and I have money, I should probably buy a house now. Correct. Two, if I don't have a job and I'm a petroleum engineer and I didn't save up a ton of money in the good times, I should either take a free coding class or consider becoming a nurse, which is a long proposition. And then three, not everyone who moves to Houston moves here for love. <laughs> I, I generally speaking agree with all three of these things. With respect to the second one, coding is just one example. Um, but I will say for any listeners out there that may want some assistance, again, we have 25 career offices around the 13-county region. We have career advisors and specialists that can help you take an assessment of your current stock of skills and figure out where else they might be deployable given state of the economy right now. Yeah, and you guys, and, and to be completely clear, despite this name, this Gulf Coast Workforce Solutions <laughs> name, I mean, you're essentially, I mean, I mean, this is free. Yes, this is absolutely free. This is paid for by our tax dollars. That's correct. So we should totally do this. I Let me say this much. It, pick your offices carefully. Some offices are better equipped for dealing with certain people, depending on where they're located in the region. Um, for example, a rural office out in Steely may not be the best if you're trying to, if you're a petroleum engineer, and you've been working in the energy corridor or somewhere more central. Keep in, th- keep in mind things like that. Take advantage of it. There are people there, at the very least, work in Texas. Uh, it's a great avenue for looking for, for work. Take advantage of what Parker is offering. It, we already paid for it with our tax dollars. And try to find what, what to do next based off of the things that we described today. That's correct. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, Parker, for your time today. Thank you for having me, Aziz. And hopefully we'll see our way to 2018. Sounds good.